treated. In fact, the pagans threw their loved ones who were sick out onto the streets in order to die, and they retreated. But it was the Christians who ran towards the pandemic. It was the Christians who were in the middle of it and got involved in it and and helped and loved the sick and nurtured the sick. Why did they do that? Because they believed in a God who was interested in the lives of everyday people. And as a result of that, people looked at them and looked at what they were about and looked at the God that they worshipped. And as a result, growth came to the church. People wanted to come to know Jesus Christ for themselves. And that's not the only example of this in the life of Christianity. But I remember being at college and being truly humbled when I was at college listening to stories of early Baptist missionaries who went out to Jamaica Now, back in the 19th century, when they would go out to Jamaica as missionaries, there was yellow fever and all kinds of these things which were rife, and there was no cure for these diseases. So in choosing to go out to these places as missionaries, they were effectively signing their own death warrant. They they knew they, they were not coming back. They knew that they were probably going to get sick and die out on the mission field. So much so that many of these missionaries didn't pack suitcases when they went. They packed coffins because they knew that in order to serve Christ in that moment, it was going to mean the ultimate sacrifice for them. Why am I telling you this today? Well, you've probably already guessed that the next value that we are talking about together as a church in our vision is the value of serving. So far, we've looked at the fact that we want to be a church which develops deep spiritual roots, that we want to be a church where everyone can belong and everyone can be part of the family. We've been focusing on this passage that we've heard read to us again today in Acts chapter 2, where people were so impacted by the message that they heard that the church was born. The Holy Spirit formed this disparate group of people from all over to form this mission agency who were going to take the message of salvation to a world that so desperately needed it. It was a group of people who loved God, who loved people, and were on mission together. They didn't simply have ministry done to them. They didn't just turn up for church every so often or log on to a church service online. They certainly didn't depart when something happened that they didn't like or they got hurt. But they wholeheartedly gave themselves to the cause of God where God had placed them for that season. And as we think about our vision together again today, Ideally, this is who we want to be as a church. The mode of delivery might have changed. After all, we're talking about 2,000 years ago when this group of people were formed, but the message and the values are still the same. And that brings me to the third part today, the value of serving. Here we go again. I hear you thinking, at least. Luke's got rotors that need to be filled, and there's jobs that need to be done. So we're going to hear another sermon about how we should be doing more, and we're going to be guilt-tripped into trying to serve a bit more in the church. Let me just start with a disclaimer today. I want to give you a get-out clause this morning. If you feel coerced into signing up for something or cajoled into doing something, feel free to stop. I don't want anyone serving in this place because they're doing it out of a place of compulsion. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the church any good. It doesn't do us any good. And you just end up feeling resentful about these things. So if that's the case today, 
you have permission to take yourself off a rotor, stop serving in this place. You have permission and you have our blessing to do that. But here's the thing. If our primary aim is to love God, to love people, and to be on mission together, you have a part to play. And my challenge for us this morning is that we all this morning, whether we're online or whether we're in person, ask God where he's calling us to serve in this next season and ask him what difference he is calling us to make in the advancement of his kingdom. In fact, I want to pray for us right now. I'm going to stop and pray for each and every one of us. Father God, whether we're watching online, whether we're in this room, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will be speaking to each and every one of us. Lord, will you be speaking to us on an individual level right now? Holy Spirit, will you be revealing to us where you are calling us to serve in this next season and in what capacity that we might be part of your story? Holy Spirit, have your way this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In many respects, our vision is simple this year. We will regather. We will come back together. And we're reflecting which has gone on before. And we will make time to do that. But we will not stay there. We will advance. Why? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. And that's who Jesus calls us to be. A people who love God, love people, and are on mission together. We will be a church who serves God and others wholeheartedly and with joyful hearts recognizing that we all have a part to play in the kingdom and for the fervorance of that kingdom. What do we learn from Jesus this morning about serving? Well, I want to turn our attention to the book of Philippians in chapter 2, and we read these words. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in the very nature God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Whenever I hear that passage read out or I come across it, it immediately takes me back to the book of Genesis. You'll know the story. Adam and Eve were formed by God, and they were told, hey, guys, everything that you see before you, that's yours. Go, enjoy, live life to the full. But you see that tree there, right in the middle of the garden? I don't want you to be robots. I don't want you to love out of compulsion, so I am giving you a get-out clause. I am giving you the option to choose to have a relationship with me. So I implore you, don't eat off of that tree. It will not end well for you if you do. You will die. 
And every person which comes after you will be infected and be spiritually dead. But then Adam heard another voice in the garden. The serpent came along and he said, you're not going to die. The only reason God told you that you're going to die is because he knows that the moment you eat off that tree, you're going to become like God. And Adam and Eve, in that moment, saw an opportunity. They saw an opportunity they perceived would advance them, and they grasped at it. They thought that by eating off that tree, they would become like gods. And as a result, sin entered the world, and everything became distorted, and everything became messed up. Yet, Jesus comes who, though being in the very form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he empties himself and takes on the form of a servant. Do you see what's happening here? Adam, a mere man, wanted to be like God, and he grasped at it. Jesus, who is God, didn't count it as something to be grasped, and he humbles himself, and he makes himself a servant. He lives effectively as Adam was supposed to have lived. It's the example that Jesus sets which enables us to live in the way that we are called to live as his followers. Another account of scripture, one day Jesus had a request made of him. The request was that when he was in glory that James and John, his disciples, could sit at his right hand and at his left hand in glory. You see, they too had been infected with this disease of wanting to be top of the pile. They weren't aware of the nature of God's kingdom. And when they ask this question, Jesus doesn't humiliate them with the answer. Rather, he poses a question to them. He says to them, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink? or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But still not getting it, they turn to Jesus and they say, yes, we are. But Jesus knew that they still didn't understand. So he pressed them on the nature of the kingdom of God. And he said to them this, whoever would be great among you must become your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. That's exactly what Jesus did, the creator of the universe, the one who needs absolutely nothing, emptied himself, and he took on the nature of a servant for you and for me. Essentially, what we're talking about this morning is basin theology. What do I mean by that? Well, there are two basins which are mentioned in the New Testament. There's one which is found in Matthew chapter 27 where Jesus stands before Pilate. Pilate is the governor of Judea and he has the power in that moment to convict Jesus. And what does he do? He interrogates Jesus. In fact, he interrogates him for hours and he comes to the conclusion that Jesus has done nothing deserving of death. But the crowd who were gathered there that day, they weren't about to settle for that. They wanted blood. They wanted Jesus off the scene. And Pilate, well, he wasn't prepared to have something like that hanging over his head. So he takes a basin of water and he washes his hands with the entire situation. He essentially says, this responsibility which is mine, I'm not taking responsibility for. I'm passing that responsibility on to others. It's not my role. And then we see the other basin, don't we? The basin we've already touched on a little bit this morning. 
The one which is found in John chapter 13, where Jesus is in an upper room and he gets his basin and gets on his knees and washes his disciples' feet. I wonder this morning if I was to ask for volunteers this morning to come up to the front and allow me to wash your feet, how many people would choose? I'm not going to do that, but my guess is not many people would be up for it because you'd be embarrassed to come up and do it, and to be honest, I wouldn't really want to do it myself either. Yet Jesus, the creator of the universe, humbles himself and does this. It was a commonplace thing to do in those times. But it wasn't the place of the rabbi. It wasn't the place of the teacher. It was the place of the servant, the lowliest of the low. And when Peter comes to have his feet washed that day, he he doesn't want to have it done at first. And Jesus has to talk to him and reason with him and tell him the reasons why he has to have it done. And eventually Peter agrees. And afterwards, Jesus says this to Peter in John chapter 13 and verse 8. I have set this example for you that you should do as I have done to you. Do you see the contrast in the two basins which are mentioned in the New Testament? There's the one of Pilate who uses his basin to avoid the responsibility which is actually his. Whereas Jesus takes his basin and he takes on the responsibility which many would say is not his responsibility in the first place. And effectively in doing so, what he does is he makes clear God's intention. That we're not to shun our responsibilities, but we are to look for those opportunities to serve. Because that's the example that Jesus sets. I wonder how often our attitude is too much like Pilate's. I don't want that responsibility. Someone else can do it. You know, let's be honest, church, we're quite a middle-class church, and we fall into the categories at times, don't we, of saying, do you know what? That job, that's for a paid worker. We need a youth work. We can't get people together to do that in our church. We need a paid worker. We need this. We need a paid worker. Yes, and I'm not knocking that. Sometimes we do. But actually, as the people of God, we are called to step up to the plate as the people of God we are called to say God where are you calling me to serve in this season and I'll do it why not because I'm going to get any glory out of it not because there's anything in it for me but because that's the example you have set Jesus Christ and I want to be more like you you know so often Jesus calls us to pick up our towel and pick up our basin and to serve Where is God calling you, I wonder, to serve in this next season? If we truly believe that Jesus Christ, that through him the church is the hope of the world, we need to ask that question today. What are you calling me to do? I wonder what passions God has placed upon your heart for the furtherance of his kingdom. Serving is not about fulfilling duties making sure the rotor is full, keeping the show on the road. But serving is about finding your God-given place in his story, that we might reflect his son to a world that so desperately needs him. This next season will not be a season for the church to merely consume. I don't want to sound harsh, but if you're looking to be a consumeristic Christian, maybe hope is not the church for you. We want to be a church where we love God, where we love people, and we're on mission together. If we're not, what on earth is the point? 
The church is the hope of the world, and we're called to get stuck in for the sake of the lost. What is it, I wonder, which stops us from serving? Maybe it is at times that we all fall into the trap of having that attitude like Pilate. It's not my responsibility, it's someone else's. Maybe it's because we actually don't feel that we personally have got a lot to offer. You know, there's this account in scripture where a little boy who had a very meager lunch of a few loaves and a few fish took what he had and he placed it into the hands of the master and the master multiplies it and over 5,000 people are fed. Coming back to the account that we have been speaking of in the book of Acts together, God used a group of people who on the face of it were very ordinary people. They probably didn't have a lot to give or a lot to offer, but God used this group of people to shake up the world. What do we learn from them about service? Well, according to Acts 2, 44 to 45, we read this, all believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love that picture. It reminds me of something that Zoe says often. They did what they could with what they had where they were at. There was a need, so what did they do? They took what they had, their possessions, their property, and they sold it so that that need could be met. Is God calling you to go away this morning and sell your house and sell your property in order to serve him? Maybe, but probably not. But what I do believe he is calling each and every one of us to do today in order to serve him so that the kingdom of God advances is to do what we can, where we're at, with what we've got. For some people right now, all you can do is commit to praying for the church every single day and praying for the kingdom of God because of what is going on in your life. And you know what? That's all right. That's part of service. Committing to pray for the body of Christ here. For some, God is calling you to get involved in a ministry which maybe you haven't been involved in for the last 18 months because of this pandemic that we have been. The opportunities to serve have retracted massively, but now they're beginning to open up again. And God is saying, come on, pick up your basin, pick up your towel. It's time for you to serve again. For some, even as I'm speaking right now, I believe God is placing a burden upon your heart for a certain people, a certain ministry, a certain age group, a certain passion. And God is beginning to remind you once again that he's put that on your heart for a reason that you might be used for the fervence of his kingdom don't let that moment pass you by but say yes to God and do what you can with what you've got where you are at we will be a church who serves God and others wholeheartedly and with joyful hearts recognizing that we all have a part to play in the fervence of the kingdom of God we will be a church that serves where is God calling you to serve in this next season the best is yet to come there is so much in our past which is good so much that we can look back on and be thankful for so much that we probably look back on and long for right now but church we don't want to live in the past the glory days are not behind us if we seek after God with everything that we have He'll move in ways that we never thought were possible. This will be a place where you can belong and find a home, 
where you can believe and develop deep roots and where you can serve and see the kingdom of God advance. The question is, are you prepared to take a step today? What are you going to do with your basin? Will you wash your hands with the responsibility that God is calling you to? Or will you pick up your towel and serve? No matter how small that step might be, are you prepared to say yes to what God has for you in this place, in this next season? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. pray together. Father God, we want to thank you this morning that you call us into your story. Don't coerce us or cajole us, you don't even need us, yet you call us to be part of your plans. And today, Lord, we come to our basin, our personal basin, and we say sorry for the times where we have washed our hands with a responsibility, where we have chosen not to serve and chose to look at the situation as someone else's job. Help us, Lord God, to be more like Jesus, who didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he took on the form of a servant, making himself of no reputation. Lord, today, may each and every one of us choose to pick up our basin, get on our knees, and wash some feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.